Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode five of Multiple Calls. I'm Scott Hewlett. So I want to start off by saying a public thank you to everyone that uh, checked in on me over the last little while. I know there's been a lot of people in our department looking out for each other, and I really appreciate those that reached out to me. So with this episode's guest, I can quite comfortably use the title of role model. Not just to women in the fire service or thinking of entering the fire service, but to firefighters overall. She's a go-to person around the station and on and off the fire ground. We delve deeper into the life of a volunteer firefighter, the challenges of breathing life into new skill sets for a department, peer support, fire fit in the combat challenge, and the importance and influence of family and childhood. For any parents out there or prospective parents, if you want to know how to set your kid up to be a solid person and kick ass, listen up. Here's Mandy Gould. Mandy. Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. I appreciate it. Awesome. I'm uh, super stoked to be here. I'm honored like to know that you've grouped me in with all these other people. Is It's you know pretty honorable to be here. I'm I'm pretty excited. Yeah, we've had this back and forth via texting, and I told you you're undervalue, undervaluing yourself. Yeah, I just, <laughs> you like start to listen to these people, and it's like they have amazing backgrounds. They're amazing people on and off the job, and to be grouped in with them is, you know, I feel pretty grateful to be here. So thanks for thinking of me and inviting no me out. This is great. Yeah, we're all happy to have you with us, too, in the same way, right? And this is, you know, having that gratitude for each other is really good. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I mean, like we were just talking briefly beforehand there about um, learning about everyone's stories and getting to know them deeper. And uh, and I've known you and worked with you for a while, and I'm actually excited to find these like little things that I didn't know before sure. either, right? Yeah, it's a really yeah, good experience. And, yeah, just from talking earlier, um, just like you just said, that learning about people's background before they came to the job or how their journey came to be, it's pretty cool because, you know, just seeing people in passing and then you don't really know much about their background other than you know what position they are on the truck or what shift or which platoon and getting to know their background and their story I Mm. thought it was really really cool yeah Uh, so Lake Clayton you grew up small town small town yes very small town (laughs) literally knew everybody in town and the uh and the fire service was actually a big part of your upbringing yeah, my dad was a volunteer for 25 years right. and served his community. Um, so a lot of what we did as kids and, you know, and just things within the community was centered around the fire department. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did, you know, bake sales, garage sales, anything to raise money for either charity or a family in need. Um, and it was a huge social thing. And not only for my dad, but for us as kids, you know, they had um, Santa and everything at Christmas where they had this huge party with all the kids. Um, so not only for my dad was a social thing, but for the kids it was. Right. Um, so being brought up in that and seeing my dad, you know, leave our birthday. <laughs> or Christmas or any family gathering at the sound of his pager. Um, at that time, it was the he called it a squawk box. Right. Um, it was this like massive red thing that he held on his belt, yeah. and you could actually hear the call, which was kind of cool. Oh no way! And growing up, they had this massive siren. So if a fire call went off, um, this siren went off at the fire hall. I and think Orangeville in- had that as well. Yeah, and yeah. the entire town heard this siren, and you knew there was a fire call. So the volunteers would be responding. Um, so. So 
that was a really cool memory for me, just knowing the sound of that siren. Um, and I know others still are like, where is that siren? We need to set it off. And it's like, maybe not now is the time. But um, so, yeah, it was a really cool upbringing in that terms. And uh, I was pretty thankful to have that experience at a young age. And it wasn't just my dad. My uncle volunteered. My cousin volunteered. Um, and my grandfather was in the RCMP. So I kind of had this feeling like maybe this is kind of my route, but wasn't really sure. Mm. Um, And then his brother, so my great uncle, was a Toronto firefighter. Mm. So there was a big family dynamic in terms of emergency service, but kind of as a kid, you never really know what you want to be when you grow up. And yeah, yeah. I think that's small. Except Clayton, he knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But for me, yeah, that it was always in the back of my mind as terms of firefighter, maybe a police officer, teacher. Um, but honestly, the sky was the limit. I had super supportive family, super supportive parents. And regardless of what I thought I wanted to be that week, a cowgirl, whatever, mm-hmm. they would have supported me 110% no matter mm-hmm. the choice. So mm-hmm. it was never a doubt in my mind that I couldn't achieve something. Right. Um, so for them, I'm pretty thankful that I had them to kind of push me and lift me up when I was maybe down or never really thought of mm-hmm. this as a profession. So mm-hmm. yeah, I want to I want to touch on that some more. But let's touch back to uh, uh, your dad for a second. So yeah, what was his main occupation? Like, what was he doing? Um, my dad ran his own business, so he ended up taking over a business from my grandfather. So it was an auto body. So it was Archie's auto body. My grandfather's name was Archie, um, and my dad took it over. So where I grew up, my grandparents lived next door. Um, not every child gets to have their grandparents right. live next door. So that was pretty cool. Um, so my dad's business was out of the shop there. So lucky for him, he was able to leave what he was doing at that time if he was able and respond. Um, so running his own business, he had that flexibility to actually run calls. Mm. Um, so that I think was super fortunate for our local department. And I know a lot of um, the people that he worked with at that time ran their own businesses or were within the community or were firefighters in other municipalities. Right. And your um, your mom was involved too. Yeah. So um, like Clayton mentioned in his that there's a ladies auxiliary. So as um, when the so that organization. So with a ladies auxiliary, basically any spouse um, was involved in that. So if you know the firefighters were out on a lengthy call, they you know this the phone chain kind of started ringing, and they knew just from the tone and from the siren going off that they were gone. And you know if it turned into hours or you know several hours, then they ended up starting kind of like that phone chain. It's like we'll make sandwiches and coffee, and they just get together and get all this stuff, and they'd actually take it to the scene Um, and that was pretty cool and we don't currently have something like that but um, I think it's kind of something special that really brought the community together Um, just knowing who knows what they're at because really you know the pager goes off the spouses don't know what they're responding to so to know that they had that support behind the scenes I think that was pretty cool and it seems then at, at every level, I mean, from your dad to your to your mom to the outside community, it was never, this wasn't seen as some burden that they had to do on top of what they did for a living, right? That this was, this was part of life in the community. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree 100% with that. Um, yeah. It was kind of a way of life. It wasn't really right. a burden on anybody. Um, you know, the odd time when the pager went off and it was like your birthday or something, it's like, oh, dad's going, but... 
when I look back now, I think it's pretty admirable knowing that he gave 25 years of his life to mm-hmm. a community which essentially raised him. So he grew up in this community and I grew up in this community. It's like, wow, if I can have that opportunity to give back like he did and knowing that, you know, that department sponsored our sports teams, they raised money for families in need, they... It was just like this core group that really supported the community, no matter what the circumstances were. And for some of them, like sometimes it was their own family and that was a need because mm-hmm. in a small community such, you know, where I grew up that, you know, everybody um, for me, like I said, my grandparents lived next door my uncle lived across the street. My aunt and uncle lived in town. So there's a huge portion that was our family. And then I know there's others that were very much like that, that, you know, they were second, third, fourth generations that lived in the village. So if we responded to a call, most likely they either knew the person, were related in some sort, um, or it's just a familiar face. So you kind of think of that too. It's like, they probably went to a lot of things that weren't so pleasant because they knew the person. Um, It's a double-edged thing. Yeah. And knowing now what I know in terms of like our mental health, it's like, wow, these people did all this regardless of what potentially could be the outcome. And to now know maybe their struggles or, you know, that it was a challenge. And I think it still is a challenge. Mm. Um, but yeah, for my dad, 25 years and to know that, you know, he gave back and the friendships that he gained as a volunteer, he still is friends with those people. And I think a huge portion of that for him was the social aspect too. Right. I mean, uh, I didn't have the volunteer experience before I got into the service. So, and now learning more and more about it, like I see that that's an unfortunate thing. Like it's, it's a pretty special thing to do before you get on to a full-time department, right? Oh, and, for sure. Um, and this this op- this opportunity gives me, you know, the chance to to uh, learn about it and think about it, pause and think about it, because we don't know, you know, especially if you're full-time, you have never done volunteer. Like, you know it exists. Yeah. You don't really think about what it means. And, and then to hear about your dad, like, he's running his own business. Yeah. Like, oh, that yeah. is not an easy thing. No, for sure. And To take on the extra stress oh, when absolutely. you know what this job you know, what it, what it deals with is that's, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's super crazy. And even to see him now talk about it, it's almost like his eyes light up. Like he gets a smile talking about, you know, riding the tailboard and, you know, we don't do that anymore. So for him and me to have like that common bond knowing, you know, we did a lot of the same things, but mm-hmm. in a different perspective, because now our PPE is subpar where, you know, they had trench coats and big boots and rode the tailboard and it didn't no matter what the temperature was, you right. know. So when he tells me stories like that, it's it's pretty cool to listen to. And, it, and it's bizarre to me to think that like that even existed. Or that we right? complain now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a huge thing, right? It's like, hmm, maybe we should think about what they used to have to do. And, Perspective. You know, absolutely, for sure. Yeah. Um, and it also made me think about how um, getting on a full-time department and you can sit in the interview and it can be an honest feeling in your heart, you know, and, and it is for the, for the majority, the vast majority of us that we want to help people, mm-hmm. that we want to give back to the community. That, that's, it's not that it's a false premise, but when I think about volunteers and I think about, you know, people like your dad, their own business, mm-hmm. like choosing to do that, choosing to be a part of the fire service is, that's the embodiment of wanting to help people yeah. and giving back to the community because you're not, you're at little to no compensation. Yeah. You know, and you're at risk for all the same things. Oh yeah, for right? sure. And so that's beyond just having the thought in your mind of wanting to do it. You're actually doing it, right? 
Yeah. And that's definitely a perspective to think about because I often tell people if we had the enthusiasm, the commitment, the dedication that we do of our volunteer services in the full-time or the career departments, what a place it would be. Mm -hmm. Because I look at these people and you'll show up, you know, at the call, you see a car in the, in, at the fire hall. It's like, oh, what's so-and-so doing? You pop in, they're like polishing the truck. They're, you know, they're doing anything that they can to make sure that that place looks amazing. And it's hard to, because they have that passion, that dedication, it's like, if we all had that same level of commitment or half of it, like (laughs) it's amazing. It's amazing to see that. And like their willingness to learn and, you know, and it is in both full-time and volunteer. It's just, I think that's something special when it's your community, like where you live opposed to, you know, you're going to serve maybe a bigger municipality. I think there's more of a, I don't want to say it's a different in terms of, it's hard to, I'm kind yeah. of losing my train of thought here. Yeah, it's okay. Um, I just think they have. A different investment? Yeah, maybe a different investment. It's a mentality. It's a worldview. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It really is, you know, in their blood. But like it's always said, the quote's in my blood. Like, yeah. This is, because you could just up and leave. Like you've oh, got, absolutely. Like you've got a job. Yeah. You could yeah. just say, nah. Yeah, oh, for sure. <laughs> and in the middle of the night, 2 a.m., it's like the pager goes on. It's like, nah, you could roll over. Right. Right. Knowing you have to get up for your regular job at six or seven. Right. But they don't. And, you know, I'm a big one to sort of try and I want to speak the unspoken things. Right. And and, and, then then draw some perspective to it. So really like in in general in the service and and areas that are mostly full time. Right. There's a scene. There's this there's this thought. Oh, there. That's just a you're just a volunteer. You're not full time yet. You're not paid. You're not a paid professional firefighter. Right. Is there not that do you would you agree with that? I do. And like, it makes you want to pull your face off. It does because (laughs) (laughs) it does just because the experience, it's no different. Like we're still fighting the same fire. We're still running the same medical (laughs) calls, the same MVCs. It's still the same profession, only maybe they don't do it 24 seven, you know, 365. They maybe run 200 calls a year versus, you know, 3,000 in the city. Um, But it's essentially you're doing the same profession. Mm -hmm. Um, The wage may be different, um, but in terms of the equipment that they have, the PPE that they have, we're still doing the same thing. And for a lot of full-time or career staff, a lot of people's careers have stemmed from volunteer experience. So I see people where they forget where they came from. Right. And that's challenging because I came from that same place and I value the skills, the friendships, the experience that I have there because not always are we going to have that same call, but I can learn something and pull something from that call that may, I, maybe I could utilize mm-hmm. in, you know, the, the more urban setting opposed to the rule. Um, and there's no hydrants. And there's no, <laughs> yeah. So, and that's something too, right? right. Um, the whole tanker shuttle and moving water and that experience is like, it's, you need to practice. It'd be nice to grab, you, you could just grab a random firefighter in a full-time department that has a tanker, which yeah. we do, right? Yep. And say, okay, you're driving this today and you're going to go, and they would be probably extremely nervous. Sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So that, that's the, that's the moment you realize what the volunteer knows that you don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. And I think it goes both ways too, where, you know, we gain skills from the urban setting in terms of apartments and, you know, maybe high speed MVCs on the highways, right? There might be, and there's that too. So there's, I think, a fine balance. But in terms of some of the skills that we have are the exact same, no matter what type of firefighting yeah. you're doing yeah you're not you're not dealing with um industry alarms or industry fires or stuff like no. that. no right? and and that's where the the challenge is like to think people's mindsets are so minute that they think that just because we're career that the volunteers they're just volunteers yeah. and to say they're just volunteers or right. it, it or boggles you, my mind or that you must you must be doing that because you want to get on to professional firefighting it's like well no i like i love my career yeah and i love this yeah and we have a lot of generational ones within the volunteer service mm. um you know we have a fourth generation firefighter and none of their family ever were full-time right so you got to think of that too, right? Yeah. It's just like a family's dynamics to give back to their community. Mm-hmm. And we have people that have come to the profession, you know, in their mid 40s or 50s, and they have a full time career wow. of something completely different. And they just, you know, they're like, wow, like what you guys do is really amazing. They've seen us either at a community event, mm-hmm. uh, raising money um, for our local hospice, whatever it is. And they just see that, you know, we can be still that small town feel and they want to find some way to give back and why not with their volunteers yeah so the uh their their intention and then what draws them isn't necessarily that uh you know first in on the line like you know that alone like just a cover shot you know i mean all this kind of stuff of like the that happens so rarely but is like the you know everyone's held up for sure it's more of this the meat of the job is yeah absolutely right yeah and and so that is definitely heartwarming to know that there's people out there Mm -hmm. that still want to do that for this reason and it has nothing to do with the title or the t-shirt of being a firefighter it is strictly to give back to their community so i think that's pretty special and let's just in this uh touch on call volume too so you know, we could look at call volume and say, well, you know, station whatever six runs this many thousands calls a year and mm-hmm. and, and the volunteer hall runs 200. But I think what we have to look at is also quality of calls, right? Like sure. how many calls are false alarms? How many calls are, you know, we don't necessarily need to be there for, but it, it, doing it for as long as you have and, and being involved in the volunteer uh, world for as long as you have, do you find that um, usually if you go out, it's something? Yeah, usually. Yeah. Like of... So our station would typically run shy of 300 calls a year, and usually it is a good reason why we're responding. So um, with the full time in the career, and we do, we run a lot of false alarms or, you know, Mm -hmm. they didn't call because they're testing their system um, or something where it's like, oh, maybe they need a ride to the hospital, right? We see a lot of that in the city. Um, within the volunteer service, um, in the smaller communities, it's usually something that is pretty meaty. Like if we get a structure fire, it's usually fully involved. Um, and when people say, you know, we are saving basements, it's not the fact that we're, we can't do anything. It's just, you know, our resources are sometimes limited. It's time to get there. Yeah. And it's time to get there. Right. Um, Or the fact that it's even noticed, right? If your next property is like acres away. Yeah. And that is a challenge, right? Is by the time somebody realizes something's burning, 
it's like, well, maybe they're burning brush or this and that. And right. it's somebody driving by and it could be, you know, 20 minutes later to an hour later. And we know how fast fires develop, right? Yeah. And they double every so many minutes. And we know at that point, it's like, all right, on arrival, we have smoke showing that mm. it's something pretty hefty. And at that opportunity, we're already calling in additional tankers knowing you know, we have a structure fire and there's not very many hydrants. Some of the uh, more dense populations within the communities do have hydrants, but, you know, it's pretty much farmland, hundreds of thousands of acres that people own. And the next house may be, you know, a couple acres down the road. So um, like you said, yeah, just finding somebody that actually notices it can be a challenge too (laughs) and then the response time right it's you know somebody's called it in then you think about how long it took them to call it in they've called 911 they've dispatched it to our pagers now they're responding to the fire hall and then you know ensuring that they have a full response so you know that time the clock is still running Mm -hmm. so usually it's something when we get it um and then the country roads too right Right. it's like high speed (laughs) maybe dirt road whatever it is and it's usually or unplowed unplowed yeah Yeah. So um, in terms of my experience on the volunteer service before I got hired full time, um, the calls that I had run had substance. And to gather some of those skills and experience from those to put forward to my career has been definitely an asset for sure in my mind. Mm -hmm. And I think that anybody that has that experience definitely has something else in their back pocket. I know we don't run calls that are always the same but if you can pull one thing from each call to say you know this is what I'd like to do again this is what I don't like um, this went well this didn't um, I think it's only going to be a benefit moving forward Um, we can have calls that are similar but because the industry that brings us because everything's so different that I think we just need to pull something out of that call that we can do again or that worked well so that we can have at least have our own kind of filing cabinet where it's like, wow, okay, this is similar to this call and why can't we use this? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of similarities. There's never two of the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's that's kind of nice to have that perspective too. And do you think based on size, it's um, it's easier to disseminate what happened on each call, to talk to everybody about it? And then everyone can sort of make a decision to move forward in a new way. Whereas if we had to do that, you know, in our department to get everyone to, it's just a, like that's, there's that saying, it's a big ship to turn, right? Like if you're smaller and you're more maneuverable, you can you can make a quick sh- culture shift or a quick tactic shift or. Yeah, there's still a lot of the same challenges for okay. sure. Um, but it does take time. And right. that's, I think the challenge, like you said, it's a big ship to, to turn. And I think that goes with both services, volunteer and career. Um, what people have to understand is that there's so many things that have to happen behind the scenes to get things, the ball rolling. And we need advocates that continue to challenge those. And if we continue to have people challenge some of the things that we do I think that's how we're going to get things changed Mm -hmm. and you look at new programs that are brought to the department right like I've been involved in trying to have a a challenge with um, our man and machine program Mm -hmm. so we do have challenges right and people have to understand that it does take time because that was a thought by one of my crew members and to get that ball rolling was you know 
two, three years by the time we had tools a program. Tools on trucks. Yeah, yeah. By the time we had tools on truck and a program in place. Right. And it's not because nobody wants to do it. It's just, it, it is challenging. And to know how many things are going on within our department all at once to say, okay, we'll put the time to this. And it is the advocates on the floor that have programs changed. Mm-hmm. And you that's, need champions. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's how we get things to where they are. Um, so to just show up and do your seven to seven and, you know, and then go home at the end of the day and just run calls and, you know, everybody's different, right? Sure. Um, for me, that's never been really my my way of life um, in terms of, you know, outside of the job and at yeah. work. But to have some purpose and to push things forward, knowing that, you know, technology changes, programs change, those things have to change all the time mm. um, with society too, right? Um, but we need those advocates and those champions to keep pushing programs and develop them. For sure. Because there's, you know, each division is so big on its own. They can only handle so much. Um, so I think we still need those people that are still within the mm-hmm. fire floor and running the calls to understand that, yeah, these these things are needed, right? right. Except so. the training division. That's pretty small. It is, right? <laughs> but you think of like their workload, yeah. right? Their yeah. workload in terms of we have suppression how many over 400 versus expectation right expectation versus output yeah yeah so i think Mm. it's perspective again right and i think a lot of our (laughs) profession is perspective and what and what you see it is and what it is to you Mm -hmm. um Mm. but yeah like that division i me personally my thoughts is like they're understaffed Mm. undervalued for what they do right Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so before we uh, continue on, like currently where we are, I just want to uh, go back briefly to um, uh, your upbringing. So uh, you grew up with two brothers, yep. right? And and you mentioned how uh, supportive your mom and your dad were. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sky was a the limit. They never, and so they never really se- separated and saw you and your brothers differently. No. Um, and uh, and then I want you to sort of touch on um, you know the, the family and the fun and uh, and the challenging of all of you as 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 kids equally and and maybe you can frame that around uh, and then this also ties into your first experience like handling a fire hose. So what I want you to frame this around is water ball. Can you tell me about water ball? Yeah. Um... For some, they're probably like, what are they talking about? Uh, that's what I looked at. I'm like, well, I want to know what water ball is. Yeah. So <laughs> some will probably have to Google it. Sure. It is out there. Right. Um, so water ball was a competition within um, the volunteers. And they have a yearly like association kind of get together where all the volunteers within the province of Ontario come together. Within they have the province. Yeah. They have like wow. a camping. They have these competitions. What? Yeah. It, barbecue, the whole thing. It's, it's pretty awesome. I've never actually attended, but just hearing from retirees right. and like retired ladies auxiliary on, you know, what this transpired to be was, it was pretty cool. So Waterball had basically um, like a triangle frame on each end with a cable that ran between them. And I think it was a feet uh this giant ball that ran on a pulley okay and it started in the center and each side had um a 38 or 45 hose either one <laughs> and you had three to five members on each end right. with the hose and safety it was third safety, safety third, third. Yeah. yeah um so they literally had just a bunker coat on a helmet um clearly some type of eye protection <laughs> And they had a straight bore nozzle. And the idea was basically they said go and your water stream was to hit this ball. 
And as you started to get on the other team, you know, you're pushing the ball to their like side. Like tug of war, but you're pushing instead yeah. of throwing. Yeah. So with the water stream, you're, yeah, you're, you're hitting this ball and trying to move it to hit either end. Sounds awesome. Yeah. So like you're completely soaked. And yeah, at the end, you have a winner. So the volunteer service that I grew up uh, within, uh, the ladies auxiliary were like multiple time champions. And like they have trophies, they had jackets, <laughs> like they had the whole thing. So um, that was pretty cool. So a group of us as um, volunteers, this is like going back several years ago, we're like, we're going to enter this competition. Not knowing, like we've never been in a competition ever. So we show up, um, it was in Grand Valley and we show up and we're like, holy smokes, like they mean business. This is legit. This is legit. Yeah. So they have teams like the whole nine. So we get put up and we get destroyed like first round. Right. And you must have had a combination nozzle. <laughs> yeah, we were, uh, you know, we had the uh, the wide stream going. Right, it yeah, was yeah, uh, yeah. a fog stream. Sure, sure. Yeah. So um, and it, like it was eye opening to see the technique and like it was amazing to see these people move this ball and like with control of the hose and control of the stream. It was, it was spectacular. Because you have to advance it forward. Yeah. So the team has to advance the hose line forward while the person in front has control of the nozzle. And obviously there's some type of technique that we did not figure out. (laughs) Um, So we were like, we got shut down. We were on our high horse. We got knocked off that high horse. So were you, were you on the nozzle for this? Um, Several of us, we just kind of switched throughout the day. Um, So after I think it was like our second loss, we're like, okay we need to bring in a ringer here right so at that time a retired brampton chief and his wife so terry irwin mm-hmm. oh, yeah no okay. so they came to watch because his wife sally was one of the multiple time champions amazing so we're like we got to bring in a ringer so um we asked her and she's like oh yeah so she came in she was on the nozzle and we won the Amazing. only one we won all day she was our ringer Amazing. um so that was pretty cool um but you think, like, where did this ever come from? Like, I don't even know. We should probably look right? it up. Yeah. Yeah. So as a kid, my first ever experience on a fire hose was in Waterball. And I sent you a picture, which is pretty funny. So the picture is my cousin Jamie in the front on the nozzle. I was my wondering s- which one was you. Yeah. You're all in helmets and it's hard to tell, yeah, right? Yeah. Like- myself in the middle okay, and okay. my youngest brother on the tail end. Right. And that was just one of our, you know, summer picnics with our volunteers. So my dad, right. my family, all the other families and kids. And they set up water ball so that the kids could try. So same size, like everything. And it was just go to town kind of thing. So um, that was my first experience on a fire hose. Wow. So I was like, wow. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating to me because like so much comes out of it, right? Like, you know, exposure to, you know, the fire service. Yeah. Um, no separation between girls and boys. No. Everybody get in there and get it done. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then uh, the fact that the, the family feel, right? The fun yeah. aspect. Oh, for sure. Right? The, the sports and activities and getting outside. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just doing something outlandish, like trying yeah. to push a ball across the line. <laughs> Sounds so right? bizarre. But one thing, right, yeah. that someone had an idea to, to put it together, and then that that ends up being something for you. Like, I, I know, and we'll talk about it, like it wasn't, you weren't sold necessarily on firefighting 100%. Like you, there were other things you thought of doing, but you had that experience that put it in the in, in your mind as a possibility, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and 
yeah, just getting out to have that experience. And, you know, my brothers challenged me a lot too uh, as a kid and both mentally and physically, obviously. <laughs> I was uh, a middle child, so I had an older brother and he was three years young, three years older, sorry. Mm-hmm. And my youngest brother and I are 13 months apart. Okay. So um, my youngest brother and I, we always had challenges in terms of, you know, competing kind of against each other. Um, and I think kind of still to this day. Um, but that we had so many friends and so many things that were so much alike um, just because our age was so close. Um, and our older brother, yeah, he, like he was three years older and, he, you know, we always, it was always them versus me. So because my younger brother was so much younger than my older brother, he was like, he kind of tagged along to anything that he did. Sure. Um, but yeah, they definitely challenged me both mentally and physically because it would be two versus one all the time. So I always thought like, I need to, you know, challenge them back. So right. there was many times where it was like, there was a lot of screaming and yelling <laughs> and, and challenging, but... And punches um, and rolling and... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my childhood and upbringing was, you know, I had Barbie dolls and they rode around in a in a Jeep that right. was for G.I. Joe's right. um, or vice versa. So right. um, I was... To say that I was a tomboy is probably an understatement. Right. Um, but, but you had exposure to everything. Like you had yeah, um, your atypical or your typical Barbies and that, but you had these this atypical experience, which everyone should have is yeah, you can play with whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was very much that way. Um, you know, I had dirt bikes and we had snowmobiles and, you know, water gun fights in the village. There was so many things that it didn't matter, you know, your upbringing, everybody was inclusive and, and brought together. Um, but they definitely were probably the reason why I shaped to be the person I am with the challenges that they gave me and, you know, the support of my family. Um, And your dad um, exposed you to um, mechanical stuff, right? Like the cars. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So your mechanical Um, aptitude has really started to shape through him. Yeah, for sure. And even both my brothers are both in construction field knowing, you know, they're very hands-on. And yeah, my dad exposed us to cars at a very young age. And to think that, you know, that would have some reflection on my career was, you know, at a kid, you never think that what you do as a child is going to benefit you later on in life. Um, And it sure has. Um, So my dad ran his auto body business. He was super mechanically inclined, hands on, you know, engines, whatever. So we were exposed to that at, at a pretty young age. And, you know, if it was sanding or, you know, we had to do change our brakes or, you know, change a tire like that was never me to be like, oh, I can't do something like that. Um, But thanks to him, obviously, that I'm fully capable of that. And that ended up stemming into me wanting to be a shift instructor for AutoX. So naturally, I I turned to something that I had some relation to. And you run on a squad in the man and machine. Yeah. Yeah. So squad hall um, went for shift auto instructor. And, you know, that was pretty early on in my career. And to understand that I got a position against somebody else at, you know, the years of service I had was like, wow, okay. Like right. they believe in me and why can't I believe in myself, right? Um, so yeah, so naturally went towards the auto X and with the shift instructor, I wanted to be on a squad hall. So I ended up getting, you know, I'm at six and we run a lot of calls. Um, so that had a huge ref- reflection on where kind of my career has gone. And yeah, with the man and machine, um, Luckily for Matthews, he was kind of like the pinball and the pinnacle of getting that rolling. Um, So seeing a need for something and then seeing it hit the floor and seeing a program developed is 
it's kind of eye-opening to understand the process because neither one of us realized what the process was going to be and how involved it was it was it's frustrating it is frustrating and even for him like i know he kind of reeled me in on that one um but being both shift instructors for b platoon it was you know let's like let's see where it goes so we developed you know the first powerpoint and sent that to training it's like this is what we have what do you think and the first initial was like yeah it's good let's put it out to everybody I was like, okay, like let's back this up a train. <laughs> One PowerPoint is not going to be successful for anybody. We don't have the tools. We don't have anything, right? So um, it was several years before we ended up actually having a program in place. And we ended up going for like um, a Monday to Friday secondment into training to work with Jake and to work with Lee to get this program developed. So you don't understand how much is it there is and there's a lot of pushback too like we had pushback we had all these ideas and things lined up and you know you get shot down so perseverance is huge yeah it is huge and to get back up and say no we're not going to take no for an answer this program needs to hit the floor these are the reasons why Mm. um it's more understanding if you have that back right it's like this is why or this is how many calls we ran um I think having that as your forefront to say these are the reasons why we need this program, it they take it a little bit better, right? Sure. It's a little bit more understanding, but yeah, for those that don't know how programs are developed, it takes it takes time, mm-hmm. and it takes those people to power them forward and the time to put in to have a program at to be successful. Yeah, it's a long it's a long game. It's a long play. Yeah, and then even to to get tools purchased and kits and everything and then when you hit the floor and you move around uh, as an actor you move around all the time right you hear people mumble things to themselves like oh well, why'd we buy this brand of tools and you know this case is too heavy and this and that like you hear it all right and it doesn't matter what program it is um it's like well you easily could sure. take part or have an influence on the way our department rolls um but it's just funny to hear like those mumblings right it's like we were on a budget, like we only get so much money. This is your budget. This is what we can buy per truck. Mm. You know, there, there's a lot of things that are involved with building a program. And I know, you know, um, but like I said before, it's perspective. Yeah. And I, I, I try and, um, layer that against, uh, if people are, you know, and it doesn't happen often, but if people want to, um, say our job is, you know, to compare our job to their job and say, Oh, you guys have it this good and this and this and that. Um, my first thought is, well, like, you can apply. Like, yeah. I will help you. Like, I'll, be, I'll help you through I'll the process. I'll type your resume. Let's do it. Like, you know, so don't complain, right? You yeah. have the power to do whatever you want. Yeah, and, and there's challenges in every division, sure. right? It doesn't matter if you're fire or admin or, you know, yeah. apparatus maintenance. It doesn't matter. There's challenges in each one. Mm-hmm. And it's just finding um, the best foot forward, right? So you had this, you had this great support. Um, growing up from your family. Uh, and you also had great support uh, with your volunteer department, yeah. right? Which yeah. allowed you to sort of move up the ranks. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So getting, so I think I was 18 when I first applied and um, I didn't get it the first go. And I was like, you know, why wouldn't I get hired? I'm like, I'm 18. I'm, right. you know, eligible. I meet all the criteria. So um, next go around, you know, it was just, again, perseverance, keep applying. So it wasn't how it is now where it's like they post a volunteer posting. It's like we're hiring this many people. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you just kind of showed up and hope that, you know, they liked you enough to to be like, all right. So the district chief at the time, I kept sending my resume. It's like, I want to be a part of this. Um, I'd really like a volunteer position. Um, so eventually I was successful. Um, and again, it was just, you know, you keep showing up, show interest. Um, so I remember I finally got a call from the chief at the time. And he's like, come on over. We'll, you know, get you fitted. And it wasn't new gear in any sense. It's somebody's used boots, somebody's used coat, like everything was used. Um, but the special thing for me was I ended up getting my dad's helmet. Oh, no way. Yeah. So I wore that proudly. I was like, this is awesome. Um, so I got to wear my dad's helmet. We never actually got to work together, which, you know, for me would have been really special. But to know that we had that common bond is pretty cool. Um, so, yeah. So I got hired. Um, I think it was about just shy of 19. So got hired at 19, um, just had this eagerness to learn because you're so outside of your own comfort zone. It's like, I want to be comfortable with these things, knowing how risky the job and profession is. So I quickly ended up becoming a training officer. I spent several years doing that. Um, As positions became available, I'm like, I'm applying for these. Why can't I? Right. And for the training officer, it's like, I think a lot like Chris said in his podcast that to be good at something, like why not teach it? So a lot of my experience was, you know, researching and developing a PowerPoint or, you know, walking myself through the steps that we're going to need on the fire ground on emergency call. For me, that was the best way for me to learn because I was hands on all the time. I always had something to do with the research or looking up things or calling somebody like, I have no idea about this tool or no idea about this. Can you help me out? And a lot of the older firefighters were, you know, some of them worked full time as firefighters somewhere. So to get that knowledge and experience from them on how to utilize something was, you know, something you can't even pay for, right? Like it's like, help me. And they are so willing to learn or to teach because like that's their element, right? Why wouldn't they want to teach somebody something that that is their element? So from, you know, 18 years old to a train to a training officer, it's probably like 22, um, spent a couple years doing that and a captain's position became available. So I'm like, cool. And at this time I was also a career firefighter. So I was ended up being successful at that. Um, so the volunteer experience helped me gain my position there because, you know, this volunteer service believed in me. And why not believe in yourself, right? And um, moving forward from there, from a training officer um, to a captain. So I was successful at a captain. So I held both positions for a while, the training officer and a captain. Um, mostly because, um, you know, nobody was really eager to take the training officer position at that time. So I tried to hold both and then, you know, it becomes a lot, right? And you're trying to manage, you know, personnel and emergency scene and, you know, you're just trying to juggle a lot of things. Um, So I ended up giving up um, the training officer position um, as I started to begin to apply for a district chief. So the district chief position became available. So um, at that time, you know, I'm like eight years as a volunteer. Mm -hmm. And to think like this small town where these, you know, men and women, you know, I was the first woman or woman in our volunteer service um, and to see these older men look at me for advice and experience and you know some type of knowledge you know that was really eye-opening to realize like they just took me under their wings yeah. and they respected me for 
who I was on the job and off the job. Um, so that was pretty cool to have them, you know, some of these guys are, you know, we're in forties, fifties, sixties, you know, we have a, a gentleman that was in his seventies at the time and he was a retired firefighter and to let, to see him accept me for who I was, the knowledge that I had and the things that I bring from outside of the fire hall into the fire hall was pretty special. And to let them to see that, you know, they didn't think of me any differently from anybody else there. And that was awesome. Then to get, you know, I was successful at a district chief's position. And, you know, that was kind of like reaching for the stars at that point. And for me, I was like, any of these applications, I'm like, if anything I can gain from them, it's just experience. To sit through another interview or to write a resume again or to sit in front of a panel and tell them why they thought they should pick me, why shouldn't I do that? Why shouldn't I gain that experience? And if anything, just pull one positive out of each one of those and, you know, move forward. If I didn't get it, oh, well, I still get to ride the back of the truck, you know, <laughs> break down a doubt, floor water, you know. The fallback's pretty awesome. Yeah. It, <laughs> honestly, like the fallback to what we have from, you know, the front seater to wear mm. gold stripes or white helmet in our sense that, you know, falling back is like, Oh my. It's a sweet deal. <laughs> yeah, it is a pretty sweet deal. Yeah. Right. So my career moved pretty quickly through the volunteer ranks and I'm super thankful for that. They yeah. believed in me, believed in my abilities. And because of that, you know, I ended up getting a full-time position with mm-hmm. our department and, you know, I, <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Like yeah. I talk about it now and I have a huge smile on my face and think like, this is my career. Right. So that, that experience um, with your volunteer department, that kind of that's a, it puts that, um, what we would say the stereotypical, what we would think the experience of a woman in a fire service. And then you're in a rural area and, you know, and, and people with, you know, that are twice your age or more, like you would, if you told someone that this is what you were going to do, they would have a, they would have a a storyline in their mind of how it's going to go. And it kind of, it kind of turns that on its head, right? Like you had, you had an amazing experience. And yeah, I, and, and I and, did. And were there, and then you were also uh, one of the uh, one of the first women on our current department, right? There was a few, but I mean, when you look at the numbers, like really, you're still breaking ground. So, sure. um, yeah, talk to me a bit about women in the fire service. Your experience, what the general thought is, what are your feelings on that? Yeah, um, like you said. Uh, I never really had a bad experience. That's what I'm picking up on. Now. That's why I want yeah, to expand on. Um, so when I hear people that do have a challenge or a difficult position, male or female, like, I wonder how that came to be. Because it obviously happens. It like it's clearly happens. Majority yeah. of time, yours may be a unique, like a highly unique experience. And it could be very much so. Um, I remember I ended up attending one of the Fire Service Women of Ontario conference and um, Shelly and I had gone and we sat in with a speaker. She came from the U.S. She was, I believe she was a deputy chief and she was kind of talking about equality and, you know, talking about people's experience and her experience as she came to be. Mm-hmm. And she kind of opened up the floor to say, like, tell me about your experiences. And I remember sitting there thinking, and I looked at Shelly and I was like, we haven't made, like, to think the experience that we've had on the floor and to listen to some of the things that other female firefighters were talking about. I was like, we are so lucky. Mm. We are so lucky to have the people that we work with because the respect that we have and the experience that 
I personally have had has mm. been amazing. Well, you have well, you have actually what just should be normal. And it should be it shouldn't absolutely be a luck thing. It and, should be like <laughs> yeah. And for me, it was an eye opener because I never ever once thought that that was the way it would be somewhere else. Wow. And because of my experience through the volunteers and just being thought of, you know, as anybody else there, right? Yeah. Um, and two, like growing up with the supportive family that I have, like never to be told no about anything. And, you know, I played sports with my brothers. We played on the same teams. There's, you know, never a doubt that I couldn't do something that they could. And for me, like listening to that in the room, like I was kind of overwhelmed thinking like this actually happens. Like, yeah. I don't know if I was just super narrow minded at that time or. Well, you only know what you know. And, and, and that is true. Right. Um, so to know that that happens, like boggles my mind. Right. To think because we all come in all shapes and sizes, um, you know, all backgrounds. It doesn't matter. Like we're all super capable of doing the same thing. Mm. Right. And so for me not to realize like that happens, I was like, that was mind blowing for me. And I remember looking at Jelly and being like, wow, like we are so lucky to work for the department we work for. Mm -hmm. Not only for that reason, but in terms of like where we are in terms of programs and, you know, what we do on the floor is, it's pretty amazing. So we work for a pretty awesome place. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's, for me, I never really had that challenge or that pushback. Right. Um, maybe not to my face, maybe behind my back. I have no idea. <laughs> I talk about you all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so when I think about that, it's, you know, I have a lot of things like going through my mind. My mind just rolls at that time because I think of like the people that do have the challenges and, mm-hmm. you know, that sucks to know that you're coming to work and be challenged every day. Mm-hmm. And why can't we just lift each other up? Right. Why can't we just give each other the tools that we need or, um, I remember, uh, so my first captain, I'm just going to go to this for a second. Um, My first captain, um, I was very fortunate to have Barry Manser as my first captain. Mm -hmm. And I remember him explaining a hose stream to somebody. So normally, you know, we'd be like, okay, let's flow water. You know, this is a straight stream. This is the fog. This is like a smooth bore. Like these are the nozzles and this is how we do things. I remember somebody asked a question about flow and about, you know, we were at that point where we were doing like kind of like that pump operations. Mm-hmm. And I was very new, like I was very green in terms of our career, right? And we were talking about flow rates and, um, you know, friction loss, the whole nine. And I remember somebody asking a question about the hose. And Barry goes, let's go. So we walk back into the bay, we get the garden hose off, off the wall. He takes off the nozzle and he's like, turns the, the nozzle on full blast and it's like all right you want volume here you go you got volume right, right? and he goes now how am i going to get reach and the guy's like well it's still the same pressure only now you know you're putting your thumb over the end right so look at the reach we get right but less volume right so for a captain to take the time to now put it in perspective for somebody else yeah. that that they already know they already know it they just need to have it in co- their common Cont- term right and yeah. context yeah so to watch him do that for somebody and take the extra, you know, five minutes to explain something and walk somewhere else, yeah. opposed to where we're stare- standing and looking at, right. that was like, that was a light bulb for me to you realize. You watch their brain log up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Halter. 
But to realize that somebody will take that extra second to make sure that somebody knows their job, you know, for me, that was a light bulb to be like, that's the captain or that's the officer that I want to be. And you'll never forget that. And I'll never forget that. So for me, it'd be like to take that and now show somebody that's like having the same questions. It's like, see, you take something from everybody, right? right? And that was something very cool that, you know, you don't often see somebody taking the extra mile to help somebody. Right. And I think that's where we need to lift each other up and find something that is in their terms or context. And that gets to knowing the people that you work for right. or work with, like knowing them, where did they come from? And I think these podcasts are amazing because now you understand like where some of these people come from right. and why they're here. Um, why so, they think the way they do. Exactly. And getting to know those people that you work with and your crew members, I think will go a long way to make mm-hmm. sure that they know, you know, put it in their context as right. to how they're going to understand this. Um, so that was just like eye opening for me. And this is what, you know, makes you a great instructor too, because you, you think more about the audience and the person that's sitting in the seat and what, what do they need to hear? Like, how do you need to frame what you need to tell them sure. in the way they need to hear it so that it locks in their brain Yeah. versus trying to cram it in their skull yep. based on the way you think it should be done. Sure. And, and we still have that where there's things that have to get done in a training scenario, right? Mm. And you think of, you know, the lesson plans or the objectives. So sure. certain things have to be... You need structure for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. You need that structure. But you have to look at people's backgrounds. And I take just man and machine because that's what I know, right? And taking somebody that was a mechanic before they got on this job, to have to run them through all of that doesn't make sense, right? right? It's like, these are the objectives. You know how to run this tool. You know what this is, you know, the whole nine. Now you're just taking a ring, a ring off a finger. Exactly. Which you may not have done, yep. but you understand the concepts. Exactly. Maybe these aren't the same tools that you use, right. but the way they work are the exact same. Maybe sure. not same brand, yeah. you know, but in terms of, you know, like the whole thing, it's like, these people don't need that. But then you have other people that come to the job very green in terms of, you know, tools. They've never touched a They've never touched circular saw. a circular saw, right. a band saw, you know, uh, a wizard saw, whatever it may be. They've never touched those things. Mm. So you know those people need the extra time mm-hmm. to be confident. I say confident versus competent, right? Like right. what, right. you know, you got to have that balance. Mm-hmm. And to have somebody just have the hands on, but then even pair them up, right? To try and pair somebody that doesn't have the experience to somebody that does. Sure. You know, Bring them together. Yeah, why not? Because they're going to come together on the fire grounds, right? Right. And the person that knows the stuff would probably be much happier showing. Yeah, than learning, right? Right. However, like I said, my best way to learn was to teach. And through the volunteers up to what we're doing now with AutoX is like, that's kind of the way I've learned. Mm And um, I think as long as you're there to facilitate it too, because just because you know a topic doesn't mean you're really good at teaching the topic. You're not, maybe not a great instructor, right? Like there's... That's a skill in itself. Absolutely. Right? Like, um, I remember when I started playing hockey, it was, I didn't start playing until I got in the department. And I remember grabbing one of the guys, the older guys, I'm like, hey, man, can you, like, do you mind, like, maybe one time we can get together and you can, like, you know, show me how to skate better? And he's like, I, dude, I just need to do it. I don't, I couldn't teach you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, that was a yeah. lesson to me, right? I'm like, sure. well, you, you know, you're perfect at this. You can just show me what you do. He's like, I don't know how I do it. Just do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And that's like something for me. 
just because I teach Ottawax doesn't know I know everything about mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. But that's like my opportunity to be familiar with it all the time and giving the opportunity to do additional things. Right. right. Like I still want to go and shadow other people and see how they do. And, right. you know, but having the transparency and the consistency across the floor right because mm -hmm. you look at like different shifts and it's like everybody's doing something differently so i'm like why can't we have transparency knowing like if i get moved or i'm a shift change that i'm going to be doing the same thing as they are mm -hmm. so that's how kind of we move the auto x program yeah. through lately it's right it's a department-wide thing it's a department-wide <laughs> initiative for that reason and at the time when we were trying to get all the pictures taken and everything for that program it was because everybody was calling the same maneuver something different so it's called four different things. Yeah. It's like, well, what are you talking about? Dash roll, dash lift, dash push. What do you want? So to have that consistency and the transparency through the department, that's what we needed. And that's why we ended up coming to where we are now with, you know, certain terms. And mm -hmm. these are the pictures like, and it broke it down, right? You think of like why people come to this profession is because it's something different every day. They can be hands on. If they're hands-on learners, then we need pictures. We need them to have their hands-on, to put them sure. through the, all these PowerPoints. They know things have to get done, but, you know, most of these people want just to get down and dirty, mm -hmm. right? Well, there's another way to lock something into their brains. Yeah. And you just said the same thing, like that one thing with the hose. Like that's, yeah. you could have put a picture of that or a video of it or whatever. And mm -hmm. everyone learns a different way, sure. but really experiencing yourself and having your hands on is completely different oh yeah for sure absolutely mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah so you you talked about um yeah why can't we uh why can't we lift each other up uh more and and then how understanding people will you know build this empathy and um and maybe allow us uh, to have better um be better capable to do that so uh i think that's a good segue into peer support so sure, yeah. when did that when did that come into your purview like how did that come about um, again, it was pretty early in my career, um, but I remember my district chief at the time kind of coming and it's like, you know, it'd be really cool to have your perspective on, you know, kind of our mental health and, and being the age you are, um, having a female perspective, you know, might be worthwhile mm -hmm. and never really thought about it before. And then it kind of was like that trigger in my brain. It's like, yeah, like who helps the helpers right like we're offering all this assistance to the public and the stuff that we see the things that we hear the things we smell it's like yeah that's got to trigger something right mm -hmm. um so i was i honestly had no experience in terms of mental health um but you had curiosity but it was pure curiosity and, yeah. you know, out of my comfort zone, let's do it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Which is like so bizarre, right? Oh, Most yeah. people would back into a corner. It's like, yeah, let's do it. Why not? So, um, yeah, it's like who helps those helpers? So, um, again, fortunate to be a part of that uh, team and, you know, with yourself. It's I learned the most about myself through that committee that, you mm -hmm. know, our peer support team. Um, it's not only, you know, the courses and stuff that I learned from, but it's like from others that you talk to and their experiences and, you know, what they bring to our table and what challenges they face. You know, you What's see What's going some, on behind the scenes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And to have that trust for somebody like that is like mind boggling, right? For somebody to pick up the phone and call you be like, I trust you that this is between you and I and, and this is what's going on in my life. Like, how can you help me? And I didn't really recognize how impactful it would be on my life until I had somebody in like a white shirt and gold bars call me. Yeah. 
and it was like wow like this person is calling me like why it's a it's a leveler isn't it it certainly is yeah. yeah if yeah that's a great way to put it for sure um so at that opportunity to you know give back and serve you know our brothers and sisters is it's super special to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I had to do a lot of courses and, you know, get to the level that I am today. But, you know, that goes parcel and parcel with the, you know, the title, right? Sure. Um, Every time you say it, I think about Anita. She loves to say that part and parcel. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never even thought about that. Nice. Thanks, Anita. I'll thank her for that. Um, but you think of people like that, oh. that championed our team and never gave up regardless of the position she held. Yeah. So let's touch on that briefly. Right? Yeah, so, for sure. so female. Yeah. Right. Uh, a communications operator. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and she was older at the time when she took it on. Yeah. Like, so there's all these reasons why people might not. Yeah. They'd be reluctant to call her. Right. Well, and some, and, I'm, and then her and I talked about this, right? Like she, and she recognized some of these limitations and why the audience would not listen to her, even though it would be best for them. Not that she's like, you you know, you should listen to me. Like she, yeah. she wished, she wished they just, she just wanted to be the vessel for the information. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, she, and there was a block there. So she really looked to us as the, the link. Sure. Right. The medium. Yeah. And to know, like it, people only knew her knowledge and the capability she oh, had to serve us. Like Talk about being floored that people, yeah, yeah. It, it frustrated me to no end. Oh, for sure. And like, that would definitely be somebody that I could call and feel like completely confident that she, you know, would do her best to serve me yeah. in any way I could. Um, so having this team to realize like these people do so much behind the scenes to make sure that, you know, our brothers and sisters come to work every day. Um, and I know you and I talk like in great lengths about, you know, our peer team and, you know, the strides that we've taken, but to know that Anita basically like blazed our trail. 100%. Right. Mm-hmm. And not just her, but others that started the team back in 94. Exactly. Like, to know that our team has been around that long and to know the hurdles that they've gone through for us. Right. You know, that, that's pretty touching knowing mm-hmm. like regardless of the challenges they face, they knew there was a need or somebody needed us. And they continued to power through. Mm. Um, so now to hold, you know, our, you know, two of us are coordinating our team. and Right. Standing on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a great way to put it for sure. Like right. they had massive shoulders to know like mm. they held our department up. And these people in Anita were very much so not, they never once had a, uh, the tightest grip on what they thought it should be. No. She brought us in. Yeah. She listened to what we said. Uh, we She took our ideas and what we thought might help push it forward, and she just supported it. Yeah, very much so. Right? And she was very open to hearing new ideas, new ways, um, you know, for training or, you know, courses or something that we thought was valuable to mm-hmm. us. She was you know, happy that we would take something. If, you know, we think of how many different, you know, you know, there's so many things in terms of mental health of you know, like anxiety, depression. We talk about suicide, substance abuse. Mm. There's so many things that, you know, could trigger any one of us. Mm. And to know that her scope was, you know, whatever you thought it was. So that was pretty cool to have somebody in her shoes to lead us. Yeah. And now for the two of us to kind of continue her trail is pretty great too. And, you know, having... I think it it is like a team effort. Like 
we were on the phone to her all the time. Like, yeah. I would, like, so she has this, she's like, you can do this and you're, you know, all the support. And then she lets us, you know, take our, out of our comfort zone and push it and yeah. our own ideas. And, but in the, in the flip side, we're like, I would be calling her like, Anita, what, what do I do about this? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Right? And yeah, it's just kind of like the, the, our leaning board almost. Yeah. She like, scaffolded. I feel like she scaffolded us, right? Sure. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. we're just like continuing whatever she built, right? Yeah. And she's slowly to step back as a member. And, yeah. and she's like, you guys got this. Yeah. And, you know, when you're like, oh, so interested in, you know, coordinating this team, it's like, <laughs> oh, 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 boy. It's huge, right? Yeah, yeah. And obviously I was like, yeah, for sure. Whatever you need. Like right. me saying no is pretty. <laughs> <slim>. <laughs> you and, didn't turn this down. So. Yeah. 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 Um, but again, like still, I still don't know everything. I can help facilitate things, but again being out of my comfort zone it's like all right let's do this let's you know for me it was just like having all these things where I could just pull from and for Mm -hmm. experience because not only do we help our members with this but when we go to calls like you talk about empathy right and and the difference between empathy and sympathy it's like we go to calls and we can utilize those skills Mm -hmm. to assist family members soft skills yeah and that's kind of what it's about too. And you go to calls and, you know, I remember this lady afterwards after a call and and she goes, you know, you guys, you really went above and beyond, I think, why you're here. And it was her brother at the time that had passed. Mm-hmm. And at that time, you know, our driver came in to assist with what was going on and they ended up coding him. Um, but at that time, we could have just left. Sure. And I remember my captain looked at me and I was like... I got to go upstairs for a second. And it was for her. And she had no family members around and she knew what happened. And it was just, you know, kind of taking the extra step just as, you know, comfort, like. As a fellow human being. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes we forget that, right? Uh, All the time. (laughs) You know, it's just not bunker gear. It's, you know, there's no cape under there. Like (laughs) as much as we think, oh yeah, look at my cape. But it puts this barrier between the title and the uniform and the gear and the truck and all the stuff. It puts a barrier between you and what the thing is. And I talked to one of the guys recently about, um, you know, if you showed up to a house fire driving home today, like you'd still do something. You'd. And you've got none of that. So yeah. what makes sense in that moment also makes sense when you show up with all the stuff. You just got more options, right? So yeah. Yeah, for sure. Same with that speaking to that that mother, right? Yeah. Or, and it was just, you know, just to have that shoulder just to quickly have a small conversation. It yeah. didn't have to be really in depth. It was just, you know, can we call somebody, you know, like... You're not alone in the world right now. Yeah, basically. And for her, like, she stopped by the hall later on. She said, it took me a while to track you guys down. But, like, thank you for that. Because at that time, I had no idea what to do. And she goes, you know, you guys did more than I think you had to at that time. Mm -hmm. But I'm really thankful that you were there. Mm -hmm. And small things like that. It's like, you know, that makes you feel pretty great that, you know, we did our job and maybe a little extra. But for us to keep... I go back to, you know, the guys and girls on the floor. It's, there's so much that happens behind the scenes with our peer team. And people need to understand that everybody has some type of challenge in their life. And to treat them as you would treat, you know, your mother, your brother, your sister daily. Because we have no idea what's going on at home. We have no idea what's going on in their head to have them being treated as, you know, you'd want to be treated at that mm-hmm. time. We're family. We're going to have disputes. We're going to have Absolutely. disagreements and we're going to butt heads. Sure. And, 
and you think of all the personalities. That's going to happen on her job, right? It's going to happen. It's happening right now. But the, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But just have the respect for one another to be a human being at that time. Just ask how things are. Sure. Like we're all peer supporters. It doesn't matter if you're on our team or not. We're all peer to all all on the same peer team. Mm -hmm. We're all here for the same reasons. You know why can't we assist each other? Mm -hmm. And I think that I'm kind of losing my train of thought on that one, but. Well, yeah, like the, uh, just to, to build on what you're saying, um, I had uh, one of the acting captains call me recently and they were doing a, uh, an article for something and, and the, it was a peer support question. And, and so, you know, you call the person's, one of the person's names that comes up in your head. So they phone me and, um, and he's like, uh, well, what would I do in this situation? Like, uh, you know, my captain and this employee comes to me. I'm like, okay, so let's just say your, your buddy comes to you, right? Like you're off duty. He doesn't work with the fire department and, and well, someone comes in and says, Hey, I have a problem. What do I do? He's like, Oh, I would just say this, this, and this. I'm like, well, then why is it different? Like, yeah. Why does it all of a sudden you feel like you have to like live up to this? You don't even know what you're living up to in your mind. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. That's like, true. It's exactly the same thing. Yeah. Just be and, a good person and say what you would say. You already know how to do this. Yeah, for sure. And to say that we have like that, that armor on is it's kind of funny because just because we're peer supporters and run our team doesn't mean that, you know, you or I face the same struggles that everybody else does. Oh, my goodness. Right? <laughs> and because I had somebody call me recently, you know, we were going through the promotional exam and I had a friend call and, again, this person's on our peer team. And it was one of those check-ins, like, how's it going? Mm. Like, especially with, you know, the most recent passing of one of our own. It's yeah. You know, that was a really challenging, challenging week and it'll be quite a challenge for some time. But just to know that that person was like, you know, with everything going on, I'm just going to check in. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm good. And then it's like you start to think about these things. It's like, wow, things are really adding up, right? They are. I, and, had, at least, I had at least 10 people, I think, reach out. Yeah. And it was like, wow. <laughs> and I remember them saying... Well, what would you do in this sense? What would you tell somebody in your shoes? And I was like, never thought of that. Like, because I'm in my own shoe at this time. I was like, right. never thought of that. We're always doing. Yeah. And it was just one of those like self-help moments almost. It's like, mm. this is what I tell these people. This is what I'm going to do. Right. And it was taking a time for me at that point. To walk the talk. Yeah. And sometimes easier said than done, right? Sure and, oh my goodness. And I said, I'm, I'm guilty of it myself when we, you know, we talked after doing some of the R2MR that some of the captains decided to change the talk around the table. Yeah. And that was awesome. Like to hear that from a captain realizing like we want to change the way we talk around our kitchen table. I was like, this is great. Like we are, you know, we're making waves. And I can say that I'm guilty of it myself too, that, you know, the odd time you get caught up in you know, rumors or whatever. We and, all do. And it's one of those things. It's like, you know what? I don't care. I don't care what's going on. You know, it's rumor. Until I hear it from that horse's mouth or that somebody wants to share that story with me, right. it is what it is. And let's leave it. Right. And like you said, it's easier said than done sometimes because you get hung up like that's just kind of like the, the chatter that goes on. And it's like, we need to change. And, you know, for us, I think our department has made leaps and bounds. For and sure. with our stigma loss stop campaign to say, you know, for us, we're not going to lose another firefighter in, you know, this method. Right. Is, we can remove that one thing. Yeah. If we can yeah. remove that one thing and, and say that our department's, you know, leaps and bounds ahead mm. um you know we're still going to have challenges sure but i think for the most part it's behind us 
Um, yeah, I was explaining are, to someone the other day about how you, you, you're never going to eliminate stigma or racism or sexism or ageism, all these isms. You'll never remove them completely. But what you're doing is you're shifting it so that those people are, are few and far between and the rest of us own the house. Sure. And yeah, right. that's a good way to put it. So it's, for our, sure. it's our house rules now. Yeah, for sure. Right. Um, and I like that because, but again, we're all taking responsibility for ourselves and our own actions. And mm-hmm. But we need, sometimes people don't take responsibility for themselves. Right. And that's where we need to hold them accountable. And... It, it is a challenge and you think of like all the things that happen and you know mental health really in the forefront of you know the news and media and and all these campaigns to raise money and it's like this has happened for years like it, it's just again it boggles my mind right to know yeah. that you know but great to see it's finally happening yeah finally right yeah. and it's like we you need I, this yeah and you and i you and i pitched it also uh um uh to get perspective with culture is that um the culture isn't something that you subscribe that that exists on in and of itself and floats, you know, in the air and you subscribe to it. Like we were telling people that your crew is culture. Like it literally, you are the culture. You go yeah. and you talk about the kitchen table and you go back. You just make a decision to operate a different way. Culture shifted. Yeah, it's literally that easy, but it's an extremely difficult thing for people to wrap their heads around, right? Yeah, like, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it is for sure. Um, but yeah, it's just like every crew's got to take responsibility mm-hmm. for themselves or actions and. Mm-hmm. Um, how was, how was doing, and I was thinking about this, that, that firefighting is very much the same thing that you want to get on the fire department and you apply and you have this idea what the job's going to be like, what the people are going to be like, what the work is going to be like. And then you have the experience, what it's actually like, not that it's worse or better or whatever. It's just, you, you can, you can never know something until you do it. So yeah. how was, you've talked a little bit about, about that, but can you reflect on you thought, did you have an idea how peer supporting was going to be and then how it actually was? And um, like, were there distinct differences? Like, oh, this is, this is real or this, I didn't know it was going to be like this. Like, is there any? Yeah. Um, I think the first kind of um, like debrief we did, I wasn't really sure on how it was going to go. Right. To be honest, I was pretty much shit in my pants. Right. Like to think that I'm going to facilitate all these people and their levels of experience from, you know, recruit just hit the floor to, you know, that district chief mm-hmm. and the level of experience and years of service that goes between them. Mm-hmm. But And you don't want to make a mistake. Like there's that feeling too. Yeah. Right? So like, it just felt like I was like for me, I set myself up a lot of times. It's like I put so much pressure on myself because oh. I wanna like I just want to make sure that I'm doing the best that I can and do the job the way that we're supposed to. Mm-hmm. So for me I think I probably it was just me playing a mind game with myself yeah. that you know, so here we go. We do the first brief. And I think my reaction was exactly like everybody else's afterwards. It's like, hmm, that wasn't so bad. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. And yeah. how many times have we had that, right? After yeah. one of our debrief or now we call it the post-incident discussion. Sure. How many times afterwards do we have people like, well, that wasn't that bad. Like we just talked about how it went. Like it was like, yeah, we're just basically your facilitators. We're sitting in the room with you facilitating on track. what you guys are going to talk about anyways. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just, we are facilitating that, keeping you on track. This is what it is. It's not talking about, you know, our tactics or, mm-hmm. you know, anything in terms of the actual job. It's like how you felt when you did this. And the very last one that we did um, was very much in that sense that, 
You know, I think people always had this perception of what it was going to be. Like, you know, we talk about, you know, getting past the crybaby club and the hug mm-hmm. club, like mm-hmm. passing those terms, like that's not exactly what we do. No. Like it's perspective, it's information, yeah. it's resources. So it's... to know that, you know, those terms are long gone, it, it's fantastic because those people afterwards like, man, like that was awesome because I actually got to figure out on scene what that truck was doing. There's that part too. Right. And when I say like, we weren't talking about tactics, it was still nice to know that, you know, cause I had no idea what, what they were doing. It's like, and sometimes I was like, why, where are they? What are they doing? And it it's causes like, frustration. Yeah. And it causes frustration on scene, right. but you have give them that forum to talk about, you know, how they felt, where they were going and this and that gave them an opportunity to realize when the next crew came around to chat about it. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, they were there. This is what they did. This is why. Okay, and this is how we all felt afterwards. Yeah. And even one of them said, and he's like, I was frustrated because I had no idea what you guys were doing the whole right. call. And we know that because sometimes on the radio, some captains are more chatty than others. Like mm-hmm. some will just give you the, you know, the down and dirty details when it's needed. Others, you know, may give you a little bit more information. So he's like, I had no idea what you were doing at any point. So afterwards, everybody walked out and was like, that was great. Right. Yeah, thanks for coming. Thanks for bringing coffee and donuts. <laughs> what I think is really interesting, what you just said was that um, if you're doing an operational talk, it could be very easy to say, this wasn't getting done. You guys should have been doing this. You, 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 right? But in our context of like, tell me how the call flowed for you. Mm-hmm. That's usually how we start, right? Yeah. And then you can start with anybody because you're not saying, can you tell, okay, you right there, we're going to start on a right and you're going to tell me how you feel. Yeah. It's more so, okay, I'll, I just want to go around the room. What was your role? Mm-hmm. And how did the call flow for you? Like, how'd it go? Yeah. And then what, and then what you hear is, I was frustrated, right? Yeah. I was frustrated, the yeah. emotion, because this wasn't getting done. Yeah. And then that's that's what gets solved, right? For sure, yeah. Not the, that should have been done, and then it changes on the SOG, and you're still mad about it until the next time it goes the way it should have gone. Like, Yeah, oh, for sure. And I, so I think my setup for our peer team and becoming, you know, a member, I think a lot was of that was just fear for me. And just getting past that because you're going to talk to people of all walks of life, all ages, all experience, and just getting past that barrier, right? Like I have the knowledge, I have the skill and ability to chat with these people, so why can't I? And some of that's life experience too. And and when I talk about having peer members that are our entire department, everybody brings something to the table. It's just sometimes we have to find it. and Or maybe that person doesn't know it. So we have to draw that out of them. Is like you just you're, give them the voice. Yeah, you're bringing something to the table. Let's figure out what it is, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it is definitely a challenge to figure that out, but <laughs> but others are very open to mm-hmm. you know their experience. But some people are very much you know this is who I am. I'm very right. to myself, and just kind of getting to know that person, then like pulling it out is mm-hmm. is definitely going to be mm-hmm. beneficial. But this is who I am. It's I I find that it can be limiting, right? No, sure. no, this is me. Yeah. As opposed to just letting you become who you're going to be day to day, week to week, year to year, like yeah. trying to hold on to that. Nope, this is me and I'm going to ride this out. This is, this yeah, is for it. sure. And to say like for some, for me, I know like I'm not the same person I was when I got on this job, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's so many growing opportunities, not only personally, but you know, professionally too. Mm-hmm. Um, so to say like you're the same person you got on with, <laughs> Not even close. Yeah, no, not not yeah. at all. Just there's so many things that happen between, you know, your first day of, of getting on to, to where you are now and having our peer team as somebody that's looking out for your health and well-being is, is amazing because there's so many departments that don't have 
what we have and how many times have we gone to other departments to support yeah. them mm-hmm. right and, and you bring it up to the to the volunteer in your yeah. community right yeah so they're very thankful for that and yeah. i know how many times we've run into people and it's like thank you so much for coming to chat mm-hmm. with us and again it's like that fear right people have no idea what to expect and i think that's right. the biggest part is like mm-hmm. but even as much as we've done it and we have the experience doing it when i you know when i'm first going to go now to a new audience of a rural setting it's a, it's a new it's it's out of your comfort zone and, yeah. and we still have that oh okay well, I got to think well how's this going to go and you're a little bit nervous right yeah yeah and sometimes our own minds playing games with us oh, I right I think it's ma- the majority of what's going on yeah <laughs> and I know we've had a couple times where we've done our presentations it's like we know our audience and we're already thinking we're setting us uh, ourselves up right we're like oh gosh we're like oh no here, here we, we go. go here we go and then after like <laughs> that was a piece of cake right? right they were amazing yeah yeah or the reverse You're like this is going to be really great and it's like oh that went off the rails <laughs> dun 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah. Right on. Um, and then speaking of getting out of your comfort zone, um, let's uh, let's talk about fire fit and combat. That's uh, that's definitely outside of a comfort zone. So oh, that it is. <laughs> so, so not being one, I think what we're learning uh, most about you is the uh, you see something that's really hard and you're like, I want to do that. <laughs> yeah. So is that is that how this started? Like, what was your what was your entry into that? World? Yeah, um, I think so. Um, the first year I started it was actually the year that Brampton was hosting nationals. Mm. So I think our chief, Andy, at the time was like, it would be really great to have a female team. So that gets to Chantel and Chantel knows me and it's like, I'm going to call Mandy. So she calls me and probably because she knew I wouldn't say no. Right. Um, so I know our first team member. Yeah. So, she doesn't know it yet, but she's on the team. Yeah. Yeah. But she doesn't know. And then it's like, who else can we rope in? It's like, Shelly, we're going to get Shelly. Here we go. So Chantel, Shelly and I were uh, the first female team and... I remember going to the tower for the first time and thinking, oh boy. And to have the experience of the people that, again, blaze our trail with combat to be the ones to teach us, it was like, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. So the resources are there. The resources, mm-hmm. yeah. So the first kind of go is like, just go, just do it. <laughs> Ready, like, go training. Yeah. Uh, Ready, um, go. <laughs> okay. So you go and it's like, this sucks. Yeah. But for me, there was there's never quit in like my vocab, yeah, right? Yeah. And yeah. I take that back to my figure skating uh, career. And yeah, I said figure skating, everyone. <laughs> and I had a coach and get a hockey player to do that stuff. Let's yeah, see if they wanna, so if they I end up playing it. hockey. But we'll go back yeah. to that. Yeah. But I had this coach that you know I was like I can't, I can't, and she's like there is no such word as can't. Right. You can, you just have to find the way or the method to do it. Mm-hmm. So that kind of ingrained and stuck in my head. So, you know, again, your childhood bringing right to where you are today. So for me, like that was just not an option. So it's like, grab this dummy and it's go time. Like, we're just going to get through this. So we get through it and I remember them being like, well, wow. Like you didn't even have to stop. I'm like, there's, I'm not stopping, right? If I stop, it's probably going to be even worse. Right, right. And after that, it was like, oh, by the way, there's technique to this. Right. <laughs> oh, thanks, Tibbs. Like, <laughs> set me up for failure right, and right. then tell me that there is. Uh, it's only going to get easier in some ways. 
Yeah. So um, so we started training and like we ended up getting um, a coach over at Sheridan College and Drew Herter ended up having that connection. So, right. you know, our whole team, guys and girls at that time, went over, we did some dry land training and kind of went from there. Next and, level uh, equipment. Yeah. And it was fantastic. You know, he donated the memberships to us and, you know, after work or before work. So this is back when we were on the 10 and 14s. So we had that ability to either either meet before shift and after shift. Um, so we had that, this really cool setting and we had a coach to be like, you know, this is it, set up a program for us. And we we're re- like, we really stuck to that program of lifting weights. And it was just so that we could peak at the right time. Yeah, starting in January. Yeah, like we started early. Like I think it was like October. Yeah. And we started pretty early just to make, I think just because all of us really wanted to do well. Like sure. this was on our home turf, you know, the first female Brampton Fire Combat team. It's like, let's make sure that like we are in. good to go. Mm-hmm. So um, we did it and we were going to do just a team. It's like, well, let's, let's give this individual thing a go, right? <laughs> What was I thinking? Um, so you were thinking you were going to be great is what you were thinking. Oh gosh, it was it was we something. Were thinking that, yeah. It was something for sure. <laughs> and uh, the guys were so supportive, and it didn't matter, you know, how long we spent at the tower or you know what we accomplished that day. It was like they kept pushing and pushing us, and to have them lift us up was amazing. Mm. Um, but still, like even to know our training mentality for me, it was another outlet too because I had this opportunity to train with just females where you know like on work at work I didn't always have that opportunity to just have like girl time I say girl time and I we both chuckled to ourselves yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) um but we had yeah we had this bond too right Right. and we it was just something special for us to have together um, so our first competition, we went to Thames Center, I think our first one was. And like for us, we were always smiling. We had a great time like to meet the people that were there. Um, it didn't matter what patch you were, what department you represented. It is a massive family. Mm-hmm. And that was really special because we were like the new kids on the block being, you know, our first were like the rookies that year. And their, you know, Toronto Fire Ladies team has always been like our rival and they've been, they're so strong. Vaughn, you know, like, yeah, like Jacqueline, she's been around a long time and like hold a lot of records, right? Um, So these people were so supportive and it's like, oh, we're going to race you guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's like, fun (laughs) like i know what this course is but afterwards like it's high fives and hugs all around and for us it was like all right how can we improve our time what can we change for the next go and we hosted nationals that year and that was our first real taste of you know like the big competition and to have like your own brothers and sisters around the course like egging you on and have like you ref that year and i think zeus and zeus obviously was there mm-hmm. um but you guys to push us along and referee and you know it was a lot of fun like we had a great time um honestly i don't even remember what place we ended up <laughs> um i don't know i think toronto beat us i think we got silver yeah, but it's archived uh, yeah and, and it sure. doesn't even matter right, but right. um 
for a majority of it, like this family is something special. And I decided to take on the individual that year too. And that was my first ever, you know, kick at the can. And I remember, you know, just let's power on. So I get it. I ended up getting matched up, I think, with like the number one ranker. And this is at nationals. It's like, oh boy, here we go. Right. And it was pretty awesome. Like, to have people jump over the barriers to push you beyond what you thought you could push yourself. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow. You really do pull from everyone else. Because eh? you're like, I got nothing. <sighs> like literally have nothing. Mm-hmm. And to have them there to yell at you is like, holy smokes. Like, mm-hmm. this is awesome. So that first year led us to several years of combat and, you know, uh, national championships. Um, You've had personal successes. With yeah, us. personal team. You know, tandem to worlds. Like that world stage is is pretty amazing mm. um, to meet people from all over the world. And then you know you come together again like the next year, and it's like you never even missed a beat from the last one. Right. These friendships that you gain are are, are amazing and yeah. probably lifetime friendships, right? Sure. Um, but again, there's always challenges there too. And mm-hmm. um, for Chantel, like she is a fire prevention officer and thinks she want to be out her comfort zone and, and try the combat, right? Like yeah. to put on the pack and, you know, all that, like through investigations, they do that. Right. But I thought to myself, I'm like, wow, this is someone like so cool that it's yeah. like, I don't care. I'm doing this. Right. And I remember at one of our competitions, somebody said to her, well, you're just a fire prevention officer. Amazing. Wow. And to this day, Chantel and I laugh about that. Like, <laughs> so, okay. when, so when he woke up, did he change his mind? <laughs> and to when my he, surprise, he... <laughs> it was another female. What? Yeah. Wow. Okay. And that was like, what? Like, I just assumed it was a guy. So yeah, yeah. I was wrong. I was wrong. No, I it's, judgment there. no it's all good. Right. But yeah. And you would assume that thinking like, the females will stick together and push each other up, sure. right? Knowing the challenges that some face. Yeah. And it was just like, what? It never, like that never even crossed yeah. my mind. Again, again, you're just a volunteer. Yeah. Same kind of like. Yeah. And it never crossed my cut mind. Cut people out of the knees to make yourself feel better. Yeah. Yeah. So it never crossed mm-hmm. my mind even to, um, to think that she couldn't do that. And when we were first training, we even had, we convinced Sue King from communications. So we had like our fourth, because we were very, um, in terms of numbers for females on the job, sure. we we're, you know, at that time, slim to none. T- yeah. So it was, it's all of us or none yep, of us. <laughs> it's everybody. So let's see, let's put a few calls out and see, you know, the fishing rods in where we're seeing where that mm. bobber is going. So we ended up getting a few, but, uh, yeah, we raced for years and, um, like to this day, like some of my fondest memories on the job are, you know, racing yeah. combat with those girls and mm. the friendships that I've gained from, you know, combat and from them, uh, you know, I cherish those friendships that we mm. have. Um, but yeah, combat, it, it is something for sure. <laughs> it's something. It is something. So speaking of, uh, like lifetime friendships, um, and supporters jumping over the barriers and that, uh, uh, we, I don't. I don't think we can. We can skip over Dan, sure, like, yeah, and, and his impact, right? And the fact that you guys volunteer together, like, yeah, yeah. you you guys have a really like, you know, some, something special, like an idyllic, oh, thanks, experience, yeah. right? He, uh, he's your biggest fan, by the way, right? You know, yeah, you know <laughs> yeah, he is. Um, he's very special to me. Um, so if anybody don't doesn't know, that's my husband Dan. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, he uh, he has definitely been my biggest supporter, my cheerleader, picks me up when I'm down, my sounding board, right? Um, 
And because he has an idea of how the job is that, you know, he he understands when either it's like, you know, I don't want to talk about it or it's like, you know, it's just like <laughs> verbal diarrhea. It's yeah. like, so how was he, your night? It was yeah, awful. He gets it. Yeah. yeah. And to have somebody in your corner like that is, I think we need, we all need somebody that's going to be an advocate for you. That's going to pick you up when you're down and to understand a little bit about the job. And he didn't always understand the job. When uh, we first met, um, he was a parking enforcement officer. Mm -hmm. Or sorry, at that time, no, he was a security guard, um, like for a major mall. So he did um, security. Mm -hmm. And when I first met him, um, I was like, oh, this rent-a-cop, right? Like... (laughs) Anyways, so you're it, busting his balls. Yeah, right? just busting his balls, which yeah. you know we have that yeah. common thing. And if she's pulling your hair in the in the square, it means she likes yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> it means she likes you, right? So, um, he, and he again, like it didn't bother him. Like he just kept pushing back. So, um, and sounds like someone I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you met your match. Yeah, I met my match for sure. Yeah, so literally. Yeah, and I remember my dad saying to me when he, one of the times he first met, he's like, "If you find somebody that will put up with like your like your humility, your humanity, like if you find somebody that is a good reflection of that, like this mm-hmm. is the person." And he. He just, he took to Dan, like my dad was like, yeah, he really liked Dan just in the sense that like he was always there and he was one of those people that it didn't matter like how much I joke with him or made fun of him, like as, you know, you're poking fun, he would give it right back. And like, it was almost like that perfect pairing. And um, yeah, he's been, he's been there like through literally my entire career to this point. And when I first met him, I was like, I'm never dating a fire guy. Like he knew what I did. And he's like, I'm never dating a fire guy. Um, And it kind of like poked Um, his like, what? (laughs) And I was like, I've been there. (laughs) Um, But he didn't know what I did for the longest time. And I just didn't want that to be because I had people in the past where it's like I told them what I did. And it was like they kind of backed off thinking like this person is like, um, they don't need anybody for right. themselves. Yeah, it was yeah. like almost like they're so self-sufficient and strong enough that they like, yeah. let's like back off. So I had right. some people like that. And I was like, what? Right. Like well, I that, still... It's good that that eliminates those people, right? Yeah. So he didn't know what I did for the longest time. And then uh, we went out for with some friends and he at that point didn't have my phone number. Like I hadn't given him my phone number. Mm-hmm. So my bestest girlfriend was there and she's like, well, he's like, you think I can get Manny's number? So I had must have got up to go to the bathroom. She's like, well, why don't you get it yourself? So I guess he started like going through my things. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to go through my things. So he found like my wallet and had a badge. And he was like, what the heck is this? Like had no idea. Right. Right. So he ended up stealing my phone number. Are you a cop? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And from this day, like he is the first one to tell somebody what I do. Like he is so proud proud of of what I do. And he, when we ended up buying a house in the community that I grew up, he only like grew up 10 minutes from me. So the fact that our paths never crossed is crazy. It's crazy to us. And clearly fate brought us together, whatever it is. Right. If you believe in that. So, um, he, 
we ended up buying a house and thought like this volunteer. I'm like, how cool is this? And just seeing kind of what I did with the volunteers, he's like, I'm super interested in this. It's like, awesome. So he applied. He wasn't successful the first time just in terms of numbers. Um, I had nothing to do with that. (laughs) Uh, At that time, um, I think I was a captain. So he, the second time he applied, he was successful, went through all the training, you know, um, for him, it's like a, a wicked balance because he does municipal law enforcement on one side where he goes to work every day. People yell at him, you know, they spit at you. Um, you are not thanked. It's a thankless job. Then he comes to the volunteer service where, you know, you're riding in this big red truck. The kids are waving at you. People are happy to see you arrive. So he has that really awesome balance where it's like my job is what it is and he loves what he does it's just the fact that you know the members of the public are not respectful to the jobs they do Mm -hmm. and then he comes home and you know gets to ride this big red truck and it's like this is the same people that were spitting at him would be waving at him yeah isn't that nice and have no idea right yeah Yeah. it is so bizarre so for him to have that he's awake to that right you see it now oh and he knows he's fully aware of that right yeah yeah and to be able to run calls together um that's pretty cool too that he let me tell you he has he has big shoulders because the guys often joke like, yeah, you know, she tells you what to do at home and then you come oh, here right, and she right. tells you what to do, right? Sure, so he's got big shoulders in, in that sense. But um, he definitely has been the person like that's been in my corner. Mm-hmm. And he is probably, you know, the reason why I am at the position that I am today mm-hmm. is because I always had that support. Mm-hmm. And from my childhood through my parents, like my family to, to him and his family, right? Like they're all like super supportive and proud to, you know, know that I am in the profession I am. And he definitely is, is definitely my biggest supporter and my awesome. biggest fan for sure. Right. I'm glad he's going to hear you do this now too. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's like just in the background all the time. Like right. if it was combat, he was there, you know, cheering me on to, you know, applying for a position where maybe I didn't believe in myself for some small minute reason he was there to be like these are the reasons why you know and he and he'd list them out and um to have those people in your in your corner and like not just him but like friends and family and you know other people on the job and for him like this is a super um awesome profession because he now has these friendships that have developed through not only my combat but the people that I work with. Oh, and he's super personable and just like oh, he'll talk to anybody. A joy to be around. Oh yeah, and, for yeah. sure. Because I remember uh, when we went to Medicine Hat Nationals, like right, you were there and. Yeah. This one, like, he's at the bar, people he just met, like, <laughs> and he's like, uh, is it okay if I, uh, if I hang around, like, either get in the van or get out? Like, because we had to race again the next right. day, right? It's like, either get in or get out. So I remember him and, and Brad ended up showing up at God only knows what time. But I remember again, that, yeah. yeah, just. I met these cool people. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> I'm talking to them. Like, and he'll talk to anybody. But he's always been there along the sidelines. And these friendships that he's developed, mm-hmm. I think he cherishes those too. Sure. And he often, you know, will go out with the guys like that I work with or right. text them and call. It's like, oh, I talked to so-and-so. I'm like, you did? Yeah. Like, Okay, cool. Like, are you guys going mountain biking? Like, yeah. and he'll tag along, and and I don't think 
for one second ever anybody ever was ever. like who is this Never, guy no. that just tags no, along we're, we're glad he's there um but i don't think of him that sense that he's tagging along no, like ever. he is no. yeah he yeah he's pretty cool so that's awesome yeah um so as we uh get close to finishing up uh, i've been asking people sort of um you know a couple maybe the same questions just to get different takes like it sounds like to me it sounds like you've been getting great advice along the way and then you've been even in your internal voice you've been giving yourself great advice but you know, either uh, is there anything that you would tell yourself at, at any stage along the way that you you know you wish you could go back and say, hey, just you know, this is this is a little piece of advice to help you along, or um, or you can frame it as um, if you think of people uh, in these different stages that you've talked about um, that are not that didn't have the benefit of the people around them that you did or the upbringing that you did, what advice you would give to them, right? Because there's people out there that are gonna. That are having a diff- different time. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And I know there's challenges, and I think my my journey has been unique in the sense that that support's been there, and I've never had the pushback to say, like, mm-hmm. you're not capable of this or you shouldn't be here. Um, for, like, the newest recruits, I know I've gone in, we've done our peer talks with them, and I often tell them to get involved early and find a committee or something to get involved with. Not only to learn yourself, but get to know the people that are, you know, riding the back of the truck with you too. Because those people essentially have your back. And that's the way I found that I got to know a lot of people is through some of those committees. And they get to know you. And they get to know you. So if you get involved, it's not only those people that you work with, you know, the 24 that you get on your, you know, for me, it would be like, if I just showed up at six, I only know the people at six. I only know the other shifts that I switch off with. Those are the only ones that know my ability where, mm-hmm. you know, you go to these committees, it's like people from different shifts, different, you know, experiences. Like these people can be your advocates too, right? Um, and you learn so much from each one of those people and they're all there for different reasons. Um, so I'd say get involved early, um, whether it's, you know, hockey or, you know, the sports or if it's just, you know, within the association or, you know, auto X committee, the TR stuff, there's so many things that you can get involved with on our department. And I think getting, you know, involved or get your feet wet with that, I think is, is definitely some good advice. Not saying that it, I guess it works for everybody, but it worked for me. Um, for people that maybe have the experience and maybe are in, you know, your or my position that um, to help those that maybe are in need of like that extra help. And that's where I, you know, I think back to our captain um, when I started is like he went above and beyond to show somebody something that was so minute, but in their terms, like it was their perspective. It was their, it was in their wheelhouse. You never know the power of a small thing. Yeah. So I think for us knowing the things that we know to give to some of the more green or the, the younger in terms of fire experience, I don't mean younger in terms of age because we come at this job at all levels, uh, and all, you know, all age groups and all Mm -hmm. life experience. And to say somebody comes to the job inexperienced is, it's like, that's that narrow-mindedness again. We have no idea what jobs they had, what experience they have. Um, So just finding that from them, like finding whatever sparks their interest to bring it to our job. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just trying to think of anything else that... uh, advice that I would just give somebody. (laughs) 
What about, uh, yeah, um, volunteering in their community? Yeah, like if you have the opportunity to, it, it, it is something special. Um, even if it's not fire, I'm used to just volunteering in general. Yeah, so um, again, when I talk about, uh, when I talked about some of Dan's stuff, when he got involved with the, the volunteers, he also uh, started going to like our, we have a village of Inglewood Association. So we have an association within our community. Oh, so wow. all the smaller ones do. So they deal with, you know, events in the community or if there's issues, you know, with stoplights or they want speed humps or whatever, they'll go to council and, and they talk about things that are going on in the community. So again, he got involved with that and now he sits on their executive mm. board and, you know, that's pretty powerful when, you know, people come to these committees and it's like, we need these change. And these are, again, our advocates for our community to make mm. change. And we need people though, like that, you know, in this world, we need those advocates to make the changes, to make this a better place for us all. And if you can get involved in your community, why wouldn't you? Like that's the place essentially that you could be raising your family or that, you know, you're decide to, to live and to have an idea what's going on because, you know, that's just like voting, right? If you don't vote, you never had a voice. And, you know, that goes not only to our association, if you don't vote and then complain that somebody has a higher wage, like it's like, well, you had the opportunity to go and make a change. You didn't, yeah. And you chose not to. Right. Um, and I get life catches up with us all, sure, but sure. Um, it's just trying to find that work-life balance and mm. it's not always easy. And I say that like I have my SHIT together and I already swore once in this. So, but, <laughs> it's okay. It's marked explicit for okay, a reason. <laughs> okay. Uh, but to think that I have it all together is not the case. Like we all have our challenges. It's just finding that balance. And, you know, if it's, you know, talking to somebody or finding your outlet to work out, walk the dog, mountain bike, you know, paint, sing, whatever it is, like we need that in our lives to find that balance because our career is not everything. Right. Right. And same thing. You can thing, squeeze a lot out of it, but it's, there's oh, more. Yeah. We can definitely squeeze a lot out of it. And even that experience that you find within, you know, your career comes back to the real world. Sure it does. Right. So, um, it's not always easy to find that balance, but if you can find it, definitely. It's awesome. So, so speaking about being out of your comfort zone and, uh, and getting in your own head and thinking it's going to be a certain way, was this better than you thought it was going to be? Yeah, like just have the conversation, right? Oh, yeah. um, and I know, you know, you know a lot about me, but I'm sure there's things that you learn just through 100%. through through chatting. But uh, I think this is awesome. Um, honestly, I didn't know what to expect right. from the podcast, and not to be ignorant in any sense, I was like, I didn't know either. So I yeah, I, I have it, yeah. no idea what this yeah. is all about. And when I listened to Zeus's first one, I was like. They're literally just sitting up there shooting the shit (laughs) like this. You guys could totally do over beer. Right. Um, But getting to know everybody on a personal level, not just a career level was really awesome. Mm. And it's very unique because, you know, you find these amazing people on our job that keep empowering people and keep pushing things forward and testing the limits. Like that's how we make change. And like I said, like I text you, I was like, I feel subpar when you put me next to these people. And for you to say, like, you undervalue what you yeah, bring to the table. You do. Yeah. Um, you know, it is what it is. But I'm super honored to sit yeah. here with you and kind of tell you my story and what, you know, my journey was alike. And I know there's a lot of people that, you know, they'll take this for what it is. Right. right, right. But 
Um, I'm a pretty open book. So if you ask me something, I'll pretty right. much tell you on the floor. But, so on, um, on, that, on that note, um, I mean, people maybe uh, if they want, you know, if anyone wants to get a hold of you and ask you a question, they can probably just email through me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They, they can message the, uh, you know, through the website. and For sure. Or Facebook or whatever. And yeah. I'll pass it on to you and you can touch back to them. Right? Absolutely, yeah. I don't mind at all. Cool. So I'm pretty open book. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you being here. Yeah, thanks, Scott, for having me. I appreciate okay. it. Take care. You too.